Welcome to Digging Deep with Pastor Yemi and Pastor Dayo Ogunsaya. On today's series, we'll be teaching from the book of Romans. Are you ready to go deeper into God's word? Join us weekly as we go into the book of Romans, chapter by chapter. Now, here we go, digging deep into Romans. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Rock of Ages, we glorify you. There is no amount of money that we can place on life that your breath in our lungs is free. FOC, as they say. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. For we slept and we are awake because you have sustained us. Thank you. Thank you. Once Jesus. again, Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when you come, you will teach us mm -hmm. and you will guide us. And bring to remembrance everything that we have heard. Yes, Lord. We receive your ministry tonight. Yes, Daddy. We embrace your ministry, Holy Spirit. Yes. Open the eyes of our understanding. Amen. Show us marvelous things Amen. from the word of life. Yes, Lord. And help us even to teach it diligently as you will love us to do it tonight. Amen. Bless that sister. Bless that brother at home. Minister to them in your own way. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We receive this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I guess uh, uh, we are in the month of May. Um, we have been looking for a few weeks now at this book of Romans. We have come all the way to chapter 2. <laughs> and I think this is our third week on chapter 2. Mm. Amen. Mm. I have been blessed. I, I am, I am uh, uh, confident that you have been blessed too. So quickly, let's just remind ourselves of some things that uh, the book of Romans is all about. It's a letter that was written by Paul to the believers uh, in Rome. As at that time, Paul has never met them. But he has heard a lot uh, about their faith, their confidence, their trust level in Christ. As at that time, Rome was the center of the world. Mm. The Roman Empire was the one, the major empire there. And the Lord Christianity, as the Roman kingdom was declining, Christianity was uh, blossoming. Mm. And uh, to the point that even the emperors, uh, they adopted Christianity as the official religion. Uh, right as at that moment, Paul was writing to them uh, out of all the 13 epistles he wrote. Romans is the most detailed and most extensive because Paul took time to uh, introduce them to this gospel of Christ, this gospel of God, this gospel of peace, so that they can have understanding and they know the reason why what they believe is the truth. Mm. So it's something that was good for them, is good for us too, so that we are not just Christians, we know why we believe what we believe. What is the gospel about? What has God done? What has Christ accomplished? What is he doing now? What is our relationship to self-righteousness, to sin, and to uh, living right in this world? Those are the practical lessons we are learning. So it was written around AD 57 to 58. Three major purposes. Number one, uh, Paul Address the issue of revelation of who Christ is as the Son of God. And he talked about the liberating power. The power to set free from uh, encumbrances of sin and death and fear in the word of God. Remember that famous verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. There is a liberating power in the gospel. Secondly, Paul talked about the grace and the glory of God. Grace is all that God has provided. The glory of God is the awesomeness of God, the power of God. And Paul made it clear that they are all wrapped up in the gospel. Mm. The gospel is the avenue to contact grace and to walk in the glory of God. And thirdly, he spoke about the love of God, revelation of that love. If we, he said, for the love of God has been shared abroad in our heart. God is love. 
There's no way. And he wasn't talking about the affection that we have for each other. So he spoke about that love of God in this epistle. Amen. Amen. And then in chapter 1, we saw how Paul commended them and encouraged them. And uh, in chapter 2 that we started about two weeks ago, we have seen that the judgment of God that is coming on the unbelieving world, uh, um, the, the ones that reject Jesus, is going to be predicated on three things. Number one, we emphasized that the previous weeks, uh, is going to be based on the truth. The truth, not the facts. Facts are subject to change. Mm. And we spend two weeks now talking about the truthfulness of God, that the word of God is true because God that spoke those words is true, is unchanging. The truth is something that is true yesterday, today, and will be true tomorrow. And the truth is not relative. The truth does not depend on geographical location. The truth is the truth. (laughs) Secondly, is the impartiality of God. God is no respecter of person. He will give to each one. For those of us that have received Jesus, our reward will be based on what we have done in the body. For those that reject and refuse Jesus, they are going with the devil. Unless they yield. God is clear on that. And Paul was laying the case why this is so. And then the third thing, Jesus himself is going to do the final judgment. For the, uh, those who reject him and for those of us that have accepted him. He is the judge of all. God has committed everything into the hand of the Son. And in other words, the word of God is what we judge us all. So those are the three major pillars upon which the judgment of God is going to stand on. Now the, the, the question we have been looking at is, where God has sent Jesus to, re, to redeem us, to buy us back from suffering the penalty of sin, the consequences of sin, going and suffering with demons and, and the devil. But what are the things that are expected of me now that I'm a child of God? How should I live? What should be my perspective? How should I relate with God and relate with other believers? That's what we've been looking at. Uh, And so we are going to continue today. We're going to go through this chapter 2 again. Uh, We'll read and then we just flow with the Holy Spirit. I know you are going to be blessed tonight. So grab your Bible on whatever shape or form, on your phone or whatever you have it. Uh-huh. Many of us, we have it. Uh, we don't carry the hardcover Bible anymore, but it's good. The Word of God is readily available now. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Uh-huh. And then grab something to write with. That's one I will emphasize. Whether you type in your uh, laptop or your phone, just type something or write something. You cannot retain all that the Holy Spirit will reveal tonight. But if you write it down, you can go back to them again. Amen. Amen. And God will bless us. Pastor, Amen. take us further. Amen. So we're going to start tonight by reading from Romans chapter 2. Um, I would read verses 1 to 24 just so that we would have a platform to... I know we're not going to discuss all the verses tonight, but I want us to hear um, what the scripture says. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation tonight. No matter who you are, Before you judge the wickedness of others, you had better remember this. You are also without excuse. For you too are guilty of the same kind of things. When you judge others and then do the same things they do, you condemn yourself. We know that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things. God is always right because he has all the facts. And no matter who you think you are, when you judge others who do these things and then do the same things yourself, what makes you think that you would escape God's judgment? Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart? And lead you into repentance. But because of your calloused heart and refusal to change direction, you are piling up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. For he will give to each one in return for what he has done. For those living in constant goodness and doing what pleases him, 
seeking an unfading glory and honor and imperishable virtue, will experience eternal life. But those governed by selfishness and self-promotion, whose hearts are unresponsive to God's truth and would rather embrace unrighteousness, will experience the fullness of wrath. Anyone who does evil can expect tribulation and distress to the Jew first and also to the non-Jew. But when we do what pleases God, we can expect unfading glory, true honor, and a continual peace to the Jews first and also to the non-Jew. For God sees us all without partiality. When people who have never been exposed to the laws of Moses commit sin, they will still perish for what they do. And those who are under the law of Moses and fail to obey it are condemned by the law. For it is not merely knowing the law that makes you right with God, but doing all that the law says that will cause God to pronounce you innocent. For example, whenever people who don't possess the law as their birthright commit sin, it still confirms that a law is present in their conscience. But when they instinctively do what the law requires, that becomes a law to govern them, even though they don't have the Mosaic law. It demonstrates that the requirements of the law are woven into their hearts. They know what is right and wrong, but their conscience validates this law in their hearts. Their thoughts correct them in one instance and commend them in another. So these judgments will be revealed on the day when God, through Jesus the Messiah, judges the hidden secrets of people's hearts. And their response to my gospel will be the standard of judgment used in that day. Now, you claim to be a Jew because you lean upon your trust in the law and boast in your relationship with God. And you claim to know the will of God and to have the moral high ground because you have been taught the law of Moses. You are also confident that you are a qualified guide to those who are blind, a shining light to those who live in darkness. You are confident that you are a true teacher of the foolish and immature, all because you have the treasury of truth and knowledge in the law of Moses. So let me ask you this. Why don't you practice what you preach? You preach, don't steal, but are you a thief? You are swift to tell others, don't commit adultery. But are you guilty of adultery? You say, I hate idolatry and false gods. But do you withhold from the true God what is due to him? Even though you boast in the law, you dishonor God, the lawgiver, when you break it. For your actions seem to fulfill what is written. God's precious name is cursed among the nations because of you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. 24 verses that we can spend the next two years studying. Word for word. Mm. Line for line. Now, uh, let's look at things here. I know last week we went a bit far with uh, the first 16 verses. I think we spoke about the truthfulness of God, the truth. And um, uh, one thing that I want us to just do in just, uh, just to recap. remind our recap is uh, the way this first verse of chapter 2 starts, said, no matter who you are. That means none of us is excluded. Mm. This means, hey, we are, this is speaking to all of us. No matter who you are, this is, you need, there's something to learn here. Mm. So I, I have, I, I, I received that word that this is to me. Now, because most, sometimes when we are studying the word of God like we are doing now, there's tendency to think, okay, I, I know who this is talking to. <laughs> that person, that sister, that brother. I oh, hope they are watching. Uh, I hope they are watching. Uh, you know, some of us will even send us. Go digging deep. Now, you don't miss it. 
because um, most of it, some don't let me say most of the time. Some don't let me say most of the time. Some of the time we don't see personal application. Hmm. So I have looked, I've read this chapter, this old book before, and I'm reading it again, looking at myself first before looking at the next person to me because there's something in it for me. There will never be a time when you will hear a, a word of God that will not have practical application to you. In other words, what I'm saying tonight is, like you told us only, you are not perfect. Mm. Something that is perfect needs no upgrade. Mm -hmm. But something that is excellent can be improved. All of us can do with some improvement. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we are working in progress. So let's settle that tonight. Don't say, oh, this is to unbelievers, so it doesn't apply to me. No, it applies to you. Because, yes, Christ has saved us, redeemed us from uh, the group called unbelievers. But are my actions, are my thoughts justifying my placement and positioning in Christ Jesus? Hmm. If they are not, then I got to listen. Hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's one. Because then, uh, verse, verse, uh, verse, from verse 1, we began to talk about the judgment. Last week, we talked about condemning others. Mm. And uh, this is not to condemn anybody, mm -hmm. even in yourself. Even if you find that ev everything mentioned in these first 24 verses is addressed to you personally, and none of them, you didn't pass any of them, don't be condemned. Just lift up your hand and say, hallelujah. Now I know what I should not be doing. Mm -hmm. And now I know what I should be doing. So don't feel, don't let the, God is not a condemner. God is not the damner. Satan is the condemner. God is the lifter. But he needs to reveal where you are to you so that you can make necessary adjustment. And we do that on constant basis, daily. That, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the way I used to think. But now I know from scripture that is not the way I should be thinking. And we make adjustment. Cause correction. Immediately, just like a pilot, we just immediately adjust their altitude or whatever the, the angle, uh, direction they are. The uh, air traffic control is telling them to go and they move on. Mm. So you to make that adjustment as you are listening tonight and you will get to your destination. Mm. So he spoke about judgment of God coming. But we said God is not judging people. God is, the judgment of God is coming on the wickedness of act, the act. And now, God doesn't just stay in heaven and wake up and say, oh, that person, that person, that person, I'm sending them to hell. Oh, I don't like the way they do their hair. I don't like the... No, no, no. It's what I do, what I practice that uh, uh, determines where I belong in the scale of justice of God. The standard of God is set. That's why the Bible said there's nothing that can be do, done against the truth but for the truth. God is not going to change his standard. He made us. Aha. Uh, those who made this jacket, they made it for a purpose. They are not, it's not going to change. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So if I want to get the benefit of this jacket, I have to find out the purpose for which it was made and use it for that purpose alone. Mm -hmm. You have to discover God's purpose for your life and run with it. Uh, to think you can change purpose uh, is an illusion. So God's judgment is against some wicked acts. What are wicked acts? Acts that are not in line with uh, the character of God. Those are ways. So what I'm doing, are they in line with the, the God character that's in me? Or I am still living by the satanic nature that I used to have. And we got to be real with each other. Mm -hmm. But with ourselves, we have to be real. If you are in error, if you are sinning, you know. You don't need a pastor diet to tell you you are sinning. Mm -hmm. You got the Holy Ghost. You got the Word of God. You know when you are in error. And there is no reason to justify whatever you know is not, is not right. Just receive it and make course correction. So, but the judgment of God is as sure as daylight. That judgment is going to come. But when the judgment comes, I don't want to be aligned with those who are going to be on the negative side of the judgment. I want to be on the positive side. Christ has come to put me on the positive side. And I'm not going to consciously or unconsciously remove myself and place myself on the, 
on the negative side. You still live in a world where you have to make choice. And God will honor your choice. They can open the prison door for you to leave, but you can choose to stay in jail. You can get out today and go commit other acts that will bring you back in. It's your choice. Or you can choose to live straight. That you are out of jail, you are out of jail for life. I am out of jail and I'm going to stay out of jail. The jail of Satan, I'm out of it. The jail of sin, I'm out of it. I'm going to stay that way. I don't know you have any thought on those before we move on. Huh? Hmm? So, verse 3. Look at verse 3. He said, no matter who you think you are. That spoke to me again. Who do you think you are? Some of us, some of us, I'm not saying all of us, some Christians will think we have this superior, holier than thou mentality. I am this. And like you are saying on Sunday, you are not what you do. We have, some of us, we are experiencing identity crisis. We don't know who you are. We look at ourselves by our background. My parents are rich. So, I, I don't have a money problem. So, I must be doing well. No. No. Your identity is not in how much is in your bank account. Your identity is not in your certificates. Your identity is not in your parents' connection. Your identity is in your relationship with Christ. And so, would, uh, in the world, people define themselves. They think they are this. They think they are that. But there is only one thing that matters. is who am I in Christ? What has God made me in him? And he said, he that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Our boasting should be about who we are in Christ. We need to see ourselves that way. If we can ground ourselves in that, the, the, the truth of our identity in Christ, we will do well. We will reflect Christ. But when we think about if I can just make more money and buy three more houses, then I will be considered successful. That's identity crisis. Because what you possess, Jesus told a parable. He said, uh, he said a man's life does not consist of what he has, mm. but how much of God he, 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 that's in him. How much am I yielded to the Holy Spirit? How much am I walking in line with the word of God? I was talking to somebody earlier today. I said, people put Jesus on the side and run after money. Thinking money can give them the fulfillment and the satisfaction and the joy that they are looking for. But those things are not found in materialism. It's only found when you discover God's purpose for your life and plug in. That's the only thing. And I was using us as example. Material things we gave up. And Jesus did not say, I will give you 10 of it. If that's, that's bargaining. Mm. No, he doesn't do that. He already gave us his word. If I ask you to give anything and you obey me, you will get a hundredfold. His word should be good enough. So there is nothing that God wants me to give up for the kingdom that I, I should not be quick to give up, that I should struggle with. And I will not, it made it clear, you cannot serve God and serve money. Money has become the replacement for God to many people, especially in North America. I am in America. I'm in Canada. I'm in UK. I'm in the Mexico to make money. So we run after money and God becomes secondary. And at the end of the day, we discover it's a wasted life. Even if that person lives to be 170, it's a wasted life. Because they will have missed God. Bishop Oedipo said something years ago that never left me. He said, those who run after gold, they miss God. But those who run after God, they meet gold. That never left me since years ago. So I made up my mind, I'm going to run after God. I, uh, uh, somebody wrote a book, he said, uh, uh, God chase us. God chase us. We must be God chase us. We must chase God so that the goodness of God, the prosperity of God can chase us. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that others are running after will be added to you. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm preaching. <laughs> looking, looking, looking at the scriptures, you know, those who are 
who are able to live good and uh, fulfilled lives, yeah. mm. they are God chasers. Yeah. They are people who, who follow God, yeah. who follow his commands, and even not even only in the scriptures, even now mm. in our contemporary world, mm. we find out that many people who are adamant with following God. I was talking to my daughter the other day. I said I like something about a particular person that no matter what anybody says about he, the way he's following God, he's, he's constant. He will not change the way he's following God. I said I like that constancy in him. you know, And that's what God is asking from us, to follow him. And these are people that live truly fulfilled lives. You know, no matter, it doesn't matter how much money you make, if there is no God in it. There's no fulfillment. There's no fulfillment, there's no peace, there's no joy. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is about peace, right, joy, righteousness, peace, and joy, joy in, in the, the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is. So even if you are not, you don't you feel that you, you don't have enough money right now, rather than running after that money, run after God. Yeah. Because you will find righteousness, you will find peace. You will find joy in the Holy yeah. Ghost. And w- those things will come. Money cannot even you. buy any of those. There is no amount of pr- money that can buy joy. Mm-hmm. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Yes. They are the works that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, accomplishes in us. Righteousness is from Christ. Yes. So you can't buy those. And without those three forces operating in your life, in anybody's life, is a wasted life. It's a life that is, is a rat race. You are constantly pursuing something that you can never get. Mm. It's, it's a futile life. What you are seeking in life is only available in Christ. But you don't want to get come to Christ, so you begin to run after shadow. It's, I don't know if it's difficult or easy to explain to people that, you know, because I'm enjoying it. The mm. more I yeah. run after God yeah. and his agenda, the more money I have. Yeah. I was telling someone yeah. Yeah. not too long ago that in 2020, when the pandemic was out there, that was the time that not even only us personally, but even the ministry yeah. was buoyant, more buoyant. Yeah. I had more money at yeah. that time yeah. than before the pandemic. Mm. Because why? Because it was time for us well, to God chase Well, God saw the pandemic before the pandemic <laughs> knew the pandemic was going to happen. And he has, that's why we call him Jehovah Jireh. Yes. The God that sees a need and provides. Yes, he knows his children. He knew his children were going to need extra sustenance. Those things were already made available. He already commanded the Cyrus. He already commanded the ravens. He, he already put things in place. That's why we trust him. That's why we follow him. That's why we run, we chase after him. Uh, and and when, when you know when we tell people that just follow God, obey God, mm. you know, do what He says, it seems as if you are you are trying to punish them, mm. but it's not punishment. Yeah. It's not punishment. I believe that one of the reasons is because uh, people have been um, they've been cheated, you know, before by. Leaders in Christianity, you know, wherever they are coming from, their backgrounds, they've really, really abused them. You know, like, just follow God, bring your money and all that and the others. But that still does not negate what the scripture says. Well, there won't be a counterfeit if there, there is, is no, no original. original. And because you've encountered counterfeit, doesn't mean there's no original. No, no. Satan cannot counterfeit something that doesn't exist in original sense. So, because you have had a counterfeit experience, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that doesn't mean there is no genuine pastors. I was somebody was talking to me yesterday. Says a particular man, uh, because of uh, the experience he had with his pastor siding with uh, his enemies, uh, so he now generalized that. He doesn't oh, trust any pastor. No, 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 no. There are still pastors that will be objective and commend you when you do right and call you out when you do wrong. Exactly. Yes, ah, so, but I love verse 4, uh, which we uh, kind of touched on last week. He talked about the extraordinary kindness of God. Mm-hmm. He said, do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? 
I love the fact that God is extraordinarily kind. It's over and above what normal human kindness can ever accomplish. God is extraordinarily kind. He is kind. To be kind is to be gracious. Is to be uh, predisposed to do good. God is kind. If you have ever seen a kind person, God is a million times kinder than that person, if there is an English like that. And I love that fact. It helps me to know that this God will, uh, will always look at me with, uh, with favor. I, I, it will always help me out, even when I am making a mistake. Now, it doesn't stop there. He said, don't miss, uh, uh, I want you to uh, experience how kind and understanding he has been to you. I was talking to somebody, I said, if people qualify to carry the title of a pastor, I wouldn't even be considered. Hmm. If it's by how well you have lived, nobody would, even if they mention my name, they would garbage it immediately. But no, he has, been, he has been very kind. He's just looking for your heart, your availability to work in you. And if the moment God finds you available, he will build a skyscraper in you that will give, he will demonstrate his love. He will just beautify your life with his glory. That's what we are experiencing. And that's, that's available for any man, any woman out there. God is extraordinarily kind. He's not looking for your mistake. And I like the wisdom of Apostle Paul here. He says that don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the worth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? You know, many of us take his kindness for granted. Yeah. And that's what he's saying yeah. here, that the reason that God has been, well, I mean, I don't think he would have any reason to be kind to us, but he's extending this kindness to us. Because so that he, our, cares. he cares. And so that we can in turn, turn to him. It's not foolish. And, and, and mm. repent and accept yeah. his yeah. kindness. Yeah. A lot of times we look at it, we take his kindness for granted. Mm. And I know that when he's looking at us as a father, the father is reaching out and being kind mm. to his child, and the child is like, "Don't touch me," or or just leave me. Least, I got you know, it. You know, I know what I'm doing. Leave mm. me alone. Mm. And there is, there is, uh, you know, you the child can fall from the step, yeah. and the dad is saying, "No, no, 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 come ah, on." But the child is looking at the dad and saying, "No, daddy, let me go. Just leave me alone. Let me go." And that child falls. Mm. And that's what is happening. And break and harm or break a leg. Because I don't think that God is going to send us to hell no. as his children. But there are sometimes, many of times when he's being kind to us, he's, be, he's telling us that, come on girl, come on boy, walk this way. This is the way that I want you to go. And we are saying no. You know, I'm not, I'm just going to go do my thing. I'm going to run after that thing. I'm going to go into that thing. You know, and then at the end of the day, we remove ourselves from his is is kindness. Mm. It's not as if the kindness is not there, but the moment we are like, I'm gonna go, we're going out of his area, out of his bubble, and then we get into trouble. Yeah. And we hurt ourselves. And now be let's be clear. I cannot add to God, and whatever God is dealing with me is for my benefit. I can hurt myself, I can break a ham, I can Terminate my existence on this part of eternity before I get done with what he has called me to do. But God is trying. Why? Because he loves mankind so dearly to make sure to help us out, to give us a fulfilled life, to help us our life to have meaning, to get find a way to get his goodness to us. He's only trying to help you and I. He doesn't need a man. To be the God he is. But he has chosen, he has bonded himself to his most prized creation. That's you, that's me. And that's why he made a covenant. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. So for us, for him, for us to keep pushing him aside, keep pushing him aside, uh, I never forget my experience back in those days in Africa. 
because we raise chicken and they have little ones. Mm. And, but there is always a hawk mm. flying by looking for the straight uh, baby chicken. And the mother is always trying to protect. And I think, and I know of two places in the Bible that the, God said, I want to cover you under my wings. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't listen to me. Mm -hmm. But the hawk is there. The devil is out there. There's danger out there. Mm -hmm. And the devil is nobody's friend. Everything may look okay now. You see that young chicken is saying, Mama, I got this. Mm -hmm. Mama, you are over. You just stop it. Yeah. I got this. I figure it out. You are overprotecting. You are overprotecting. Mm -hmm. You are micromanaging my life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it's traced from the mother. The mother knows what is out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, the hawk comes and picks the baby. And God can be trusted. Yeah. Because he sees further than we can see. Yeah. He knows more than we can. He's the omniscient. Yeah. He knows more than he we He sees what know. we don't see. He sees what we don't see. He sees the whole thing. The whole picture. Yeah. All we see is just this tunnel vision yeah. of today. We don't even see past this minute. Mm -hmm. This minute that we are in. Yeah. I don't see past it. But God has seen into the future. And now even ophthalmology said the best of us is 2020. Mm. Mm. Uh, maybe yours may be 30-30. But God sees infinitely. Yes, he sees the next 10 years of your life. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to align you to, uh, to be able to enjoy the next 30 years. But you can only see now. We are now. It's good. That's where I, and God is saying, no, move, move, because there is something under there that tomorrow this will be a dangerous place to stay. Oh, that friend, cut that friend off because that one is not going anywhere. Mm. Ah, no, it's my BFF. I can't, well, I can't do with that. And God is saying, you can't get to where you are supposed to get to with this person. This Angela. association. This association will not add to you. But you are saying, no, 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 I, no, that's my BFF. Oh, no, I, this is the kind of life that I want to enjoy now. And then, boom, something happened. Hmm. And then that's when I was watching a movie today. That has, uh, uh, those were uh, miners. They were going to mine. They were in a plane, and the plane crashed in the middle of uh, snow. Every, everything they can see is the, it's just miles and miles of snow. And the first thing some of them are saying is, oh God, oh God. These are people that <laughs> doesn't be, they were mocking God and many of them died. Only one of them made it out alive. We call upon God when calamity strikes. But it will have been, God is trying to put us in a position that calamity will not come to us. But we, we have to trust him we have to know he meant our, he has our good enough. Mm. And everything is trying to, the, his word is telling us, his spirit is telling us, his servants are telling us, it's to get us to a place of protection mm. and safety and joy and righteousness and peace. I'm talking to myself tonight. Mm. As, I'm, as much as I'm talking to you, there are things he's dealing with me. And I will do well with my tomorrow if I pay attention to what he's saying today. That's why Jesus in the New Testament keep repeating, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Because the Spirit sees everything. And he will do well. So, But look at that verse 4. He said, it's, 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 it's extravagant kindness. It's meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance. Repentance, uh, from you have learned that, repentance is not, uh, uh, it's not being sorry. Many a times, uh, repentance is a change of mind. That's what repentance means. You, it's the, God is, is extraordinary kindness is to lead us to a change of mindset. You have been going in this direction, and the word of God made it clear to you that that's not the right direction. You have been on 401 East, and you are going to, uh, you are going to Hamilton. You can never get to Hamilton on 401 East. It won't take you there. You need to go to an highway queue or uh, 403. And you are saying, no, I got it figured out. I will get there soon. You will never get there. You will find yourself in um, Montreal. Huh? <laughs> and that's the, how many of us deal with that. So, repentance is, oh, so this road will not take me there. What road will take me there? And set, reset your GPS 
and get on the right road. So repentance is a change of mind. It's not say, oh, I'm sorry because I got caught. Mm. And that's the attitude of a lot of people. I'm sorry. So I'm, uh, let me go and perfect way to do it so that the one can. So There's no way you perfect something, God will catch you or Satan will catch. <laughs> it's better God catches me than Satan. I don't want, I, now God asked David, he said, should I deal with you or hand you over to the enemy? <laughs> David said, you deal with me because you do it in love. I would rather God deals with me in love than allow the devil to catch me. So when God is saying, change your mindset, son, I want to say, okay, what do I reset my compass to? And immediately I make it. We should not be, now there is a scripture, I think it's Proverbs 29. It says, he that is often corrected and remains adamant will soon be destroyed and without remedy. Put up Proverbs 29 for us, verse 1. I think that's very important. The day I saw this, I said, Lord, help me not to be uh, hardened, hardened hearted. Mm, Carlos hearted. Carlos hearted to correction. He said, he who is often rebuked and hardened his heart, he said, hardened his heart, will suddenly be destroyed. And that, with that, that means there will be no way out. After destruction, what else? <laughs> when they are going through it, they will call upon God. God is saying, I will not answer. Mm. Because I have repeatedly Try to make you change course. Mm. But they will not repent. Mm. So repentance is important. Repentance is a change of mindset. And somebody needs to reset the compass of their life. We need to think the word of God. Mm. Whatever God said is white, we say, okay, from now on, this is white. Not that I don't agree. I believe that that's a lot. That's a big deal yeah. among us Christians. Especially those who have been in Christianity for a long time. And they've been you know, in religion, maybe yeah. not Christianity. Mm -hmm. They've been in religion for a long time. This is the way we've been doing it for a long time. Uh, you know, they've been uh, getting away with these things. So it's it's hard. To them, it looks as if, well, yeah, nothing has happened to me. I've been doing this and, thing for some time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's... Uh, the extraordinary tolerance of God. of God. He the, tolerates it. Yes. Because he believes and he's trusting you will change. Yes, yes, yes. And it gets to a point that, you know, it, it gets more and more difficult to yeah. change that kind yeah. of life yeah. because of mm -hmm. that fact. Mm -hmm. But we can change. Mm -hmm. We can always change. Yeah. Like you said, we just change direction. Yeah. I'm sorry is not going to cut it. Sorry without repentance is just sorry. It's just words. I've been there many times. Then we come and say sorry again. Yes. <laughs> because the next time, you can be sure you'll get caught again. Mm -hmm. So you say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And then you are thinking, okay, how do I do this thing better? But there's no way out. <laughs> there's no better way to there's do no the better wrong way. <laughs> you can't beat the devil at his own game. Mm. The only way to escape the devil is to follow what the Bible says. What the word of God says. Any other way. The devil is this corniest being. The Bible, the Bible says a cunning, is a cunning creature. Mm. So how do you now trick the devil? <laughs> You are going to borrow it from his playbook. So the, the, the style you want to use is from his playbook. Mm. And when you are using his playbook, he knows. Amen. But there is another playbook Amen. that the devil has no access to. He's shut out from it. Mm -hmm. And that is the word of God. He's yes. outside. And the spirit of the God. The spirit of God. is watching over the world. Amen. But verse 5 spoke to us, which is what we have said. He said, because of your callous heart. How, did we, how can I get to that point? How, how can a Christian become callous-hearted? Because we are not talking about unbelievers here. He said, what can make my heart to become hardened, to be callous? Uh, you are talking about some of some African guys, uh, the sole of their feet. I'm not mentioning names. <laughs> this callous. <laughs> because probably uh, somebody like, maybe like me, if we don't wear shoes, and we play soccer on stone, on uh, broken bottles and all that. You run around doing combat. In those days, those of us that didn't live in Ekoyi uh -huh, and Victoria Island, and some uh, grew up there, and I'm not talking about those, uh, like for lucky, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, those that run around, okay. Defeat has become callous. Uh, now, uh, let me hold up. My family has been begging me to do pedicure and uh, <laughs> but I just can't stand somebody scraping my leg. What is, I, you know, the heart of people. Are, are you saying you are accepting it now? Well, <laughs> well, I think I qualify for that. <laughs> but 
That's even good. But what about Carlos' heart? That's very dangerous. That's, the, the, uh, Paul spoke about people that have seared their conscience. They have damaged their conscience to the point that the conscience is just there. It's no more a guide. And they do that by constantly refusing to change direction, to repent. Constantly. They've made up their mind, I'm going this direction, I don't care where it is. It's amazing that people can make that kind of decision. Mm -hmm. That it doesn't matter where I end up, this is what I'm going to do. And God is saying, at the end of that road is a gully. Mm. And there is no, no, there is no roundabout that you can turn back. Mm. So now that you have two, three roundabouts, before you get to the close end, turn. And you are saying no. The GPS says, well, how many times GPS has led people wrong? Mm. There is a God precision instrument called the Holy Spirit mm. that can't fail. Mm. Somebody tonight needs to make a course and a direction change. This tonight is for you. That thing that God has been dealing with you about, make tonight the night you say, yes, Lord, I'm not going to try to play smart anymore. I'm going to change direction. You know, Carlos does not just happen just yeah. one time. Yeah. It's a gradual thing. Yep. You know, when, when we have, uh, Carlos' heart is, of course, a hardened heart, a heart that is so hard yeah. that it's difficult to break. But it's, it's something that's, has been going on yeah. gradually, gradually. Yeah. Yeah. And when we decide to change direction, it's going to be a gradual thing. Yeah. It's going to take more work. Like you talk about, yeah. you know, feet of people that have been hardened. The first pedicure is not going to remove everything. Oh, now you're Just scaring some of us. <laughs> <laughs> Just to prepare you. Like how many? <laughs> the first one, they're going to have to work on it. Oh, my and goodness. And then they will ask you to come back, mm, you know, maybe okay. a couple of weeks after or a couple of uh, days after. And then they will continue to work on it. Mm. And it's the same thing with the colors, with, with this Const, kind of... It's a work in progress. The moment, and, that, and that's the reason I like the fact that it says people refuse to change direction. Mm. But I want to turn it around. The moment we decide to change direction... We have to keep at it. We have to keep coming back yeah. so that that colors will be removed. Mm. So that we would, our hearts now become softer. But it's not going to be something that can be done at one time. Going into the word of God is not something that you go one Sunday and then forget about it, you know, the rest of the week or the rest of the month. No, it's something that we have to keep at. We have to keep receiving the word. We have to keep, you know, answering. When God says, okay, turn to this direction, continue to obey. It would look difficult. It would be hard. It would be painful. When you have something that is hardened, even when they are scraping it, it will be a little painful. Those habits that we have, that we've been doing for a long time, the, you know, that will be the disobedience that we've been doing. When God tells us to turn away from it, change direction from it, it may be hard. It may be difficult. It may, it may look as if, no, I cannot make money if I don't do fraud. I cannot, I cannot do without lying. But the moment we decide that, well, I'm going to try and change direction. The, it, it's going to be gradual. The first step's going to be painful, but after that, it gets better. And you can trust Satan to pile pressure. Yes. It will look like we talked the other day. We said all hell broke loose. All mm -hmm. hell will break loose. Hell is always breaking loose. <laughs> there is no order in hell. So the moment you decide to go with God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God, Satan is going to come at you. He's going to orchestrate every tantrum possible. If it's in the area of finance, your finance will receive a big hit. But if you stand adamant, what God said, it, it will it will leave you alone. Yeah. It will, if if you stand and be adamant and say no, I'm not going to fall for this anymore. You find out that it's only a matter of time that yeah. Satan will go and look for somebody yeah. else yeah. that he can oppress. Now I never forget what Brother Andrew Womack said. He said he and his wife they decided that even if they will not eat, they will pay tithe. Mm. And he said, practically, there have been days, even when his wife was pregnant, that they don't eat for weeks mm. because he will pay tight. He will not take God's money and use it to buy food in his house. He said, the tight belongs to God, so he releases it. Mm. And they, is, they will go with days 
without food. But they stood with that decision. And today, that man, there's nothing he needs today that is not at his uh, beck and call. And I don't, there is nobody that stands on the word of God that will die. Standing on the word oh. of God, you would always be victorious. Yeah. The devil will tell you, no, we will die. Mm. No, 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 you can't really That's do this. That's what Esau said. <laughs> he said, what is this blessing thing? Mm -hmm. just, he said, I'm about to die. Yes. And it was a lie. He was not going to die. If he doesn't lunch. eat that day, he will not die. But <laughs> Satan told him, you don't eat this food, you will die. Yes. So, Satan, you can't trust anything that comes from that guy's mouth. He can't tell you the truth. If he says you are going to die, then you know you are not dead. That's mm -hmm. the proof mm -hmm. that you are going to live. Mm -hmm. But it will create a worse sense, a worse uh, uh, scenario possible. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario. Yeah, worst case scenario that there is no way out unless you do this thing. But you got to stand and say, no. Remember hardness of heart. Pharaoh, his son wasn't killed that first day. Mm. Repeatedly, God kept sending Moses to him. Let my but the Bible said he hardened his heart, mm -hmm. and then boom, the judgment of God. When God's righteous judgment is revealed, yes. God's judgment got revealed. We are looking at Pharaoh, but what about his son that the father sacrificed? It was not the son that was in disobedience. What about other people's first child that God killed in the process of one man hardening his heart? Mm -hmm. What about your children? What about the grandchildren you're supposed to have? Mm. If you don't make that turn now, do you know it can mess up the future of your children? It can hurt the people you said you love. And I've seen men and women say, no, eh, eh, and they say, okay. Have you ever stopped to think about your children's life? That this course you are going can really mess them up. Because they are your children, God kept them with you, doesn't mean you should mess up their life. And especially because we are, we are relational people, yeah. no matter, any decision that we make mm. affects others. Yes. If not your children, it would affect your husband. If it's not your husband or your wife, mm. it will affect brethren yeah. or you know, people in your family yeah. because of the fact that we are relational people. So it's not just only you yeah. that will suffer. And that's what people say. Oh, it's me. Oh, I have made up my mind. And I'm going to keep doing this thing. But others are going to get hurt. Yes, yes. And should you hurt others because you just want to be stupid or foolish? Okay. I call it foolishness. Mm -hmm. When you know this thing, you can see, you can read that God said this thing will lead nowhere. And you don't have the half of the wisdom of God. You don't know as much as God. Mm. Why not just accept him and accept what he says and have a fulfilled life? That's one. So um, <laughs> I think we, we can read verse 7. Yeah, go ahead. It, it says, for those living in constant goodness, because I would like to you know, end with people feeling good about this. We are not here to condemn people. Mm -hmm. But for those living in constant goodness and doing what mm -hmm. pleases him, Seeking an unfading glory and honor and imperishable virtue will experience eternal life. Mm, talk to us about that. Those who are living it. So there is, if I strive to live in the goodness of God, if I strive to purposely to, to, uh, to have my life to be on God's side, then I will find out that at the end of the day, it's good. Is good for me. I would experience eternal life. Uh, if I continually, you know, it says that if I if I live, you know, those living in constant goodness. The key word is constant. 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 Goodness. And doing, continually doing what pleases God. And what pleases God. And uh, to live by faith. To, living according to his word. Amen. And seeking an unfading glory and honor and imperishable virtue will experience eternal mm. life. So the thing is, like you said, is the constant, living in a constant yeah. good. So th th does it mean that there will not be pressure to, to, to want to, you know, cheat a little bit here and there? There will be. Mm -hmm. But as we strive to continually, or we seek to continually do what pleases God, mm -hmm. we find out that our life will be good. Three things here that I see here. 
Number one, constant goodness. Number two, pleases God. Number three, seeking. seeking. To seek is to look for. You have to be on a hunt for God's unfading glory. People have asked me, why, I, why do you choose to become a pastor? I didn't choose to become a pastor. God called me. I accepted the call. Because I've seen and hear people say, oh, you just want to be a pastor. Nobody just wants to be a pastor. It's not something you apply for. It's, some, it's a call. According to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he himself gave those five-fold ministry gifts to the body of Christ for a purpose. But when he gave you an invitation, he gives you an invitation and you accept it, then you begin to seek something that is outside this natural physical realm. That's what it says, unfading glory mm -hmm. and honor and imperishable virtue. Those things are not money. Those things are not clothes. They are the unfading power, beauty, wealth of God, uh, 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 magnificence of God. That's what you begin to pursue. And then to do that, you have to constantly live, do what you know is good and pleases him. Faith, he said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yes. What is faith? Taking God on account of his word. Yes. So everything still ties to Doing what the word of God says. Pursuing it. Looking for something to live by. Mm -hmm. Faith. Seeking. So my question to my brother and sister tonight. What are you seeking? Mm -hmm. You're seeking wealth. You're seeking fame. You're, you're seeking political office. Power. Those things are good. Power. You are seeking power. Mm -hmm. Those things are good. But they are not all that there is. That's what Satan tempted Jesus with. He said, look at all the glory of the world. They are mine. It has been given to me. Bow down. I'll give them to you. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, no. I'm seeking God. I'm not seeking those things. When I seek God, those things will come to me. Money is good. Money is good. To wear nice clothes is good. To live in a beautiful house is good. But you don't seek those things. He said, seek you first. So what we seek is important. Seek you first the kingdom of God. And God's way of doing things. And God's way of being right. And all these other things that others are seeking will come and look for you. Amen. And that's where we are. Amen. And I think that's where we stop tonight. Amen. 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 You want to quickly run it over for us? Conclude. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Tonight Amen. we have seen a number of things. Number one, know who you are. Don't put your identity in what you do. Amen. Put your identity in who Christ has made you. You will, so that way you will never have an identity crisis. <clears throat> Number two, the judgment of God is certain. It's not if, it's when. Every scripture you read says when that judgment comes, you can be sure God is going to judge the righteous, the wickedness of men. Don't align yourself, now that you are a child of God, don't align yourself with that judgment of God on the negative side by making decisions or choices that will put you where Christ has redeemed you. Don't go back to that jail. Mm. Number three, who do you think you are? Have an uh, a, 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 a honorable view of who you are. Of everything you have is from God. You didn't get to where you are by your smartness, by your wisdom. He made it possible that you can even remember your name is the grace of God. There are people that can't remember their name and they were celebrated on the day they were born. So, who do you think you are? I am a child of God. Everything I have is of God. I am going, to, I have got, I've gotten here by God. I'm moving forward by God. So, understand the purpose of his extraordinary kindness is to lead me to a place where I will have a repent, uh, a change of mindset. And if I refuse to change my mindset, I am hardening my heart and the end result is not desirable either to me or to people that I'm connected with. Because people will get hurt. Like Pharaoh hurt people around them. Jesus is Lord. Uh, we continue next week. So quickly, we say a word of prayer to you tonight. He said, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Every weapon of containment and limitation, every pit hole that the enemy has set before you, 
tonight by the word of God, we declare you free from them. Amen. Victory is yours. Amen. Receive uncommon peace. Amen. Walk in the light of the world. Amen. And it shall be well with you. Amen. In Jesus' precious name.